I want to talk about codependency because yes, you please. said that you mentioned that earlier um, as one of the signs that we need better boundaries. How do we know when we're codependent? Can you explain what codependency is? And then we'll go deep into that. Oh, yes. So codependency. Well, part of how you know goes back to the resentment. Because if you have a lot of resentment, you are probably dealing with codependency as well. But I'll explain what it is first. Codependency is when you are overly invested in the feeling states, the outcomes, decisions, circumstances, relationships of the people in your life to the detriment of your own internal peace, maybe your own financial, physical, spiritual well-being. Make sense? Absolutely. So now those of you watching, listening, who are like, well, of course I'm invested in the happiness of the people I love. Of course you are. What I'm saying, though, is when we are codependently attached, we're overly invested to the point where it is disrupting our own internal experience, Mm. what is happening for them or not happening for them. At its core, codependency is an overt or covert bid to control other people's outcomes. Okay, so how does that show, as you were talking, I was like, oh my God, I bet you so many people right now are identifying either their partners that they have codependency with mm-hmm. or their parents. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about both of those. So once we've identified, right, okay, these are the yep. people, as you just broke it down, I'm sure everyone just names popped into people's heads. Yes. So now um, we understand why that could be bad, right? Because now you're giving yourself over to the detriment of your own self-esteem, your yep. own self-care, your own mindset. Yeah. Um, how do we start to change that um, in a way, hopefully, that doesn't impact our relationship with that person negatively? Well, here's the thing. There's no way to change a relationship dance and not have it impact the relationship. Mm. So I don't know that it will necessarily have to be negative, but when we change our boundary dances, which is what becoming less codependent means, people are going to notice. And probably in the beginning, they're not going to like it. And you're not that fragile. Hopefully your relationships are not that fragile. So back to with regular codependency, quote unquote, people in my practice, I I created a term because the codependency that was popularized in the 70s and 80s, Melody Beatty, codependent no more, got to be involved with the addict. It's all about enabling. My, in my therapy practice, I had incredibly high functioning women in my practice. So I would identify and say, hey, what I'm noticing, what you're talking about, that's a codependent relational pattern. And they would be like, no way, lady wrong. You're, you have no idea what's going on. I'm the one, I'm making all the dough. I'm the one everyone comes to. I'm the answer person. I'm always fixing all the things for all the people. I'm not dependent on squat lady. They're all dependent on me. And I was like, Oh, my clients don't know what codependency is. They do not realize. Mm -hmm. So I changed it and I created a new moniker and I'm actually writing my second book and it's about this right now. High-functioning codependency. Dude, I am first in line to buy that book. Because when I heard you talk about this, like, it's so funny because all the high-functioning women are just like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not codependent. I got my shit. Like, you kind of think of yourself as as, um, you can't be independent. Yeah. And you think of yourself almost as hyper-independent. But when you're overly invested Mm. in fixing the lives of others, you're not being independent. So once a high-functioning codependency, which is basically the same description, except you're so highly capable, you make it look easy. 
So people do come to you. Mm-hmm. You are the answer person. You, you do have 400 balls in the air and you are somehow managing to do it all. But what I've found in my practice over the last 25 years is that we're doing it all, but at the expense of ourselves, mm-hmm. our health, our inner peace, our joy, being known, just simply being actually known instead of just being utilitarian, right? Like being useful to the people in our lives, which is a big part of being a high-functioning codependent. But who actually knows us? We know the people in our lives. I know what everyone eats, everyone's birthday, who's not talking to who. I got it all. Like we, we know everyone. And when you really think about it, how many people know you that intimately? Because we're so busy being like, I got it. It's fine. It's good. No problems. I'm good. You know? Yeah. So how do you, in those situations, um, because there's, you are, you can identify yourself as one, right? And then mm-hmm. go, okay, maybe this isn't good for me. But you get a lot of validation from mm-hmm. it. You get a lot of your self-esteem from it. Mm-hmm. So I can understand why so often so many of us stay there because we may fear where are we going to get our validation from if I'm not the one people turn to, yep. if I'm not seen as useful. Right. Well, let, let me, I'll share a quick story of what helped me yeah. pivot mm. and stop, right? I still have the desire to help everyone in the world, Why? <laughs> but doing it in a more healthy way now. But I had a therapist who helped me realize that by inserting myself into the middle of other people's problems, even if they wanted me to, right? That it was literally me being like centering their problem on me. Mm. And it's basically them saying, I'm like a loser. I don't have the answer. I don't know the answer, but you know the answer. And by me, quote unquote, giving the answer, I was agreeing Mm. with them. Like, you're right. I know better than you what you should do in your life. And that is simply untrue. And I thought I was doing it out of love. I was like, I'm all Mother Teresa. Like I literally <laughs> thought, like, I'm just a lover like that, you know. I'm just a giver. I'm just like that. And when that realization came around, and she was like, Terry, you are the way you are. I was trying to micromanage my sister's life that was falling apart at the time or whatever. And she said, do you know why you're doing this? And I was like, Uh, No, because I love her and because I don't want her to be in this abusive relationship or whatever. Mm. And she was like, that may be true, but that's not why. She's like, you've spent 20 years creating a pretty harmonious, healthy life. And her life being a dumpster fire is really messing with your peace. Mm. You really want it to stop so that you can regain your internal peace. So you see your sister as a problem. To be fixed. You see people as like projects mm. to be managed, to be helped. I can make you better. I know what you should do. All of that bandwidth that you're leaking for other people, that needs to be going in. You need to be worrying about your original injuries, your life. Are you drawing boundaries? How are you communicating? But instead, you're dispersing it mm. all over town. And, you know, you don't have endless energy as a human being. But that shifted for me because I think that it was very ego 
uh, dystonic, we say, where it, it cla- it's like not the way that I experienced myself, mm-hmm. but I really got it. I was like, wow, how presumptuous of me to think that I know what everyone else should be doing. That is presumptuous. Am I God? Of course I'm not. And it's so much more loving instead of to fix people, to be with people in their pain. So now when people come to me to fix their problems, I say, well, wait a minute. What do you think you should do? What does your gut instinct say? Because your gut is great. I have no doubt you're going to figure this out because literally you're the only one who can, but I'm here. I'll brainstorm with you. I'll hold your hand. Mm -hmm. I'll go have a cup of tea. But it's having faith that other people have the right to be sovereign from our opinions, Mm -hmm. even if we're good at problem solving. But it's not our problem to solve. And ultimately what my therapist said to me about my sister's situation is she was like, Terry, what makes you think you know? What lessons your sister needs to learn in this life? And I was like, well, I don't think she needs to learn it this way. And she was like, but that's not for you to say. Mm. And I really got it. I was like, oh my God, I am not the no, you know, the, the do all end all for other people's lives. And that it was control. I wanted control. I didn't, their suffering. Their distress was so distressing to me that I wanted to do anything to end it, but it wasn't my right. And I'm so much better now, I mean, many years later, at realizing, hey, that's their side of the street, and I love them. And I can say, hey, I'm here for you. Let me know how I can best support you. Without thinking I need to make a phone call or set them up with something or give them money or whatever it is I was trying to do to fix. Mm. How do you start to do that then? Because that's so amazing. It's just, it sounds really freaking hard, right? Especially if you have been the one that they do turn to and they don't even see it as a problem, right? Imagine you're sitting, I'm not quite sure, but like your sister's like, oh my God, every time they have a problem, they're going to come to you because they know that you're going to be there. They know that you're the one that's going to pour their heart and soul. And so you actually have a special bond because you actually both get along because you feel needed, they turn to you. And so in changing that, as you said earlier, yep. the, the boundary dance, how do you start to navigate that boundary dance with that person that keeps turning to you where you found your self-esteem from? How do you start to unwind that so that you get to the place where you still have a good relationship with them, but now you're not pouring yourself into it and having the energy leaks, like you said? Yep. Well, can you see that you can still be with them and just not think you have the answer? So the same person will still come to you. Mm-hmm. And instead of being like, I know exactly what you should do, your, your script changes mm. to be like, all right, let's start with this. What do you think you should do? Tell me what your gut instincts say. They go, I don't know. But if you did know, what would it be? Because that's really, I think, where we should start with problem mm. solving is what do you think? Because honestly, and sometimes I would tell people, like I was sort of changing the dance and saying, you know, I know in the past, I've always been readily willing to give you my, you know, quote unquote expert two cents. But what I've realized is that truthfully, you know more about what you should do than I do. And that a lot of times I was auto advice giving because it made your pain made me uncomfortable. But I'm, I'm really down to be with you right now and to be in this moment. But I really do want to know what you think. 
that was so beautiful because part of what I would worry about is that they now feel abandoned, yeah. right? And you're actually doing it to better your relationship. You're actually doing it for their sake. So they start to get stronger on their own, but you want to be supportive. So giving words like that is so amazing and so beautiful. And I would absolutely do that. I would be honest and upfront yep. for my own sake so that they didn't feel abandoned. Yes. And that you you don't have to worry Right. That, that they're going to think you're now like not available to exactly, them. Exactly. Yeah. But I think what you'll find happens is that your relationships deepen so much when we start relating to people as equals and that they have the right to whatever life they're mm. having, whatever, even if they're making mistakes. You know, my mother had this great thing on her refrigerator all growing up that said, I promise not to take credit for your accomplishments if you promise not to blame me for your mistakes. <laughs> God, that's amazing. All mothers need that to give to their kids. Yes. And I feel like it's, it's very appropriate when it comes to this too, right? Because when you're overly controlling other people and yeah. overly giving advice, sometimes people take your advice and then the thing is a disaster. And then they come back and they're like, yeah, thanks, Lise. So I did what you said. Mm. And now my friend's not talking to me, you know? Yeah. That is not your side of the street. Me telling someone what to do is not my side of the street. So whatever happens, that's their life. Mm. Just like your life is your life. And there's something so beautiful where on the other side of not being an auto fixer and not being codependently attached to folks is the, the sweetest, the deepest intimacy, the actual being known in your own life too. And knowing the people that you love, asking expansive questions, that is a love language mm. unto itself. Listening in a real way, not just being a wait to talker, you know, like actually listening to what, how people feel is the more you want to say about that. Then what happened? Like be a good listener. That is love. We just want to talk. Do you know how like your husband always, not yours, but in general, husbands, um, <laughs> want to fix everything, you know? Oh, yeah, At yeah, least yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Obviously, they stopped. Now, if you're still together, you figured oh, out. Oh, he's still I, very much the same, though. We all, all, on autopilot, he goes into wanting to fix it, and I go into, I just want you to listen. <laughs> but at least you can have the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My husband is well, he's well trained to say, how can I best support you right mm. now, babe? Are we brainstorming? Mm. Do you want my opinion? Like, <laughs> he's so clear. Nine times out of 10, I don't. I want you to know I'm in pain or I'm frustrated or I'm upset. And I want you to just say, tell me more about that. Mm. Hold space and be present with me. That makes me feel loved. Because of course, it's my life. Of course, I'm going to figure out what to do. Obviously, duh. Mm. But someone being willing to sort of be in that foxhole of painful emotions and to not fix it's hard. Oh, but it's so um, worth it. And it really does build beautiful, reciprocal, healthy relationships. Yeah. Oh, my God. So one of my friends, Nadra, she's a beautiful poet. And she spoke about um, she'd had her heart broken so much. She felt so broken. And when she was then single, she met a guy that was basically where she was a couple of years before. So he was really broken. And she found so much validation and self-esteem in trying to help fix him. Mm. And what she ended up realizing is, is that he can only fix himself. And that actually it became the worst thing for their relationship um, instead of this beautiful thing. But in the moment, in that t real time, it felt good for her. Of course. 
because it does feel good. What did you What did you say at the top when we were talking about this? You were like, you get validation, mm-hmm. right? You get appreciation. Right. You got people being like, oh, you always have the right words. You always know what to say. Mm-hmm. You always have the best advice. And here's the thing. It doesn't mean that we never share our honest opinion or advice. It means if you are auto advice giving, then you are not listening. So if even if you're going to eventually tell the person your thoughts, don't have that be what we lead with. Lead knowing that other people know what they should do in their life, even if they don't know. The not knowing is most likely part of how they're going to learn their lessons in life, as my therapist asked me all those years ago, you know? Yeah. 